This is Quotations, a podcast about words, written and spoken throughout history. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, we shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. No matter where you're from, your dreams are valid. The Pale Blue Dot, the only home we've ever known. Hello and welcome to Quotations. I'm Matthew Monroe. Here's today's quote. Yeah, I mean, I could take that statement one or two ways, but I won't take it the good way, because that's my nature. That way I get to live in my world, not yours. And of course, as you probably recognize, that is the actor Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel Leroy Jackson is his middle name, in case you did not know. He was born on December 21st, 1948, in Washington, D.C., still alive today at the age of 72 years old. And of course, he's been an actor in many, many movies, more than 150, in fact. Some that you'll recognize, some that reach way back to the days of Eddie Murphy and Coming to America. He was also a character in Star Wars, famously Pulp Fiction, Shaft, Kingsman, and more recently, The Hateful Eight. He's extremely talented and exceptionally quote-worthy. In fact, if you're like me, you probably can rattle off at least two, maybe three famous Samuel L. Jackson quotes right off the top of your head. He's got that distinctive voice. You've seen him in commercials and in movies. He's just someone that everybody seems to know and recognize as soon as they hear him. And he grew up, while he was born in Washington, D.C., he grew up in the South, in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And this was during the days of segregation. And he went to and attended many segregated schools prior to desegregation. And a little-known fact about him is that he actually has a, a stutter, and he has largely overcome that, and he'll even admit that he's used obscenities at times to mask it. And there are many, many techniques, I'm sure, that people who have a stutter utilize to cover it up slightly. And he graduated from Morehouse College in 1972, but he did not graduate on time. Because technically he started in 1966, and he was expelled in 1969 from Morehouse College. Which, of course, when I heard that, I said, well, this has got to be a good story. And it turns out it is. So the reason why is following the assassination of Martin Luther King in 1968, Samuel L. Jackson was had attended the funeral and was actually asked to be an usher to help seat people and what have you. And so he did. And he saw laid before him the the body of someone who had fought for injustice, fought for equality, fought for desegregation and all of these things. And it, it ignited a fire in him that he took back with him when he returned to Morehouse College. And he was angry and he was focused. And he joined some activist groups and they were focused on the potential for violent resistance. You can read about him in various interviews talking about how they were prepared to fight back. This was not going to be the peaceful march type of thing. They were prepared to do violence on behalf of this, um, this segregation and all the, the prejudicial behavior that was that was around them. And then they turned and they looked right where they stood, and they realized that on the campus of Morehouse College, specifically in the leadership of the campus of Morehouse College, that there were inequalities that were manifest there on a daily basis. 
And so they attempted to lobby the board of trustees to make changes. They wanted to see more black representation on the governing board. They wanted curriculum changes that they thought were inherently racist. And receiving no positive reply to their demands, they drew from the activist toolbook of or activist playbook of the time and conducted what they called a lock-in. Today we would call it a kidnapping. <laughs> Essentially what they did is they locked the board of trustees in an administrative building. They locked the doors and they kept them there in an attempt to force them to change their mind. Now, this went on for multiple days, which to me is still staggering. I don't understand how you take an entire college board of trustees, all of whom have families and spouses back home waiting for them to come home. It's not as if nobody knew that they hadn't come home. And how you keep them there for two days without the police beating down the door, I don't know. But they were successful, ultimately. They were successful in getting the school to change the curriculum and to agree to more black re representation on the governing board. Interestingly enough, as if that weren't an interesting enough, um, interestingly, one of the people who was locked in that building with Samuel L. Jackson and his fellow activists was actually the father of Martin Luther King Jr., Martin Luther King Sr. So there's a, there's a tad bit of irony there, but an interesting story nonetheless. He reapplied. He left in 1969. He reapplied in 1971, and he successfully graduated in 1972 as a drama major, as you would expect. And of course, his, his film career started shortly thereafter in the 1970s. Now, fast forward through the variety of films that he did for the next 30, 40 years, and we arrive in 2011. And in 2011, Samuel L. Jackson starred, co-starred in a two-person screenplay of a Cormac McCarthy play called The Sunset Limited. And he played alongside Tommy Lee Jones. Now, I bet you've never heard of The Sunset Limited, and this is not, a, this is not Matt playing movie trivia gotcha. But it's not a particularly well-known movie, partially because it never went to theaters. It was a direct-to-TV movie. Again, a screenplay. Just two people, Samuel L. Jackson and Tommy Lee Jones. And while I bet you've never heard of it, I would argue that it's probably the best film you've never heard of, at least in my opinion. It is absolutely one of my favorite films. It is thought-provoking and, and extremely interesting. Now, these two actors, Samuel L. Jackson and Tommy Lee Jones, had starred alongside each other in Rules of Engagement, which, if you haven't seen, is also... Uh, another really good and more popular film than The Sunset Limited. I urge you to check out both. And in the film, Tommy Lee Jones plays a character known only as White, and Samuel L. Jackson plays a character known only as Black. Though in the film itself, they never actually refer to each other as those. They, it's, it's a conversational screenplay, it's a conversational film, and those are just their characters for script purposes. And you can go and you can find this script online. And you can read through it if you so choose. But it's far less exciting than the actual film itself. Now the whole film takes place in a single ratty apartment. In, which could be in any city anywhere in America or elsewhere around the globe. And it's an apartment that's rented by Black. As they talk about life and philosophy and religion and death. And you'd have to ask yourself, well, what would bring two characters to sit there? And what would make the movie interesting enough that even if they did sit there, I would actually want to listen to what they had to say? Well, White, the character we come to learn, had plans that day to attempt to kill himself by jumping in front of a train 
called The Sunset Limited. So the name of the film is the name of the train that Tommy Lee Jones' character White had intended to use to kill himself before the film opens. And Black, working in the, the train station, stopped him and brought him home and tries to talk him down for the rest of the film. And it involves an interesting intellectual joust between them for a variety of reasons on each side. And what we learn over the course of the film is that Black's faith that he has, that, that, that God has a plan and that life has meaning, all of the things that White does not believe. So very much a polar opposites, meeting and interacting. And if you've ever had a relatively congenial joust with someone, this film can be incredibly enjoyable to watch because you get to see two people who are extremely impassioned in their beliefs. But unlike the, the common threads that you see today, they aren't combative, they aren't mean, they aren't cruel. They each take little pot shots at one another throughout the film, but they're generally respectful. They are jousting with ideas. They are on the battlefield of ideas, presenting their arguments, and attempting to persuade the other to see it their way. And that's a discussion. That is a debate. And that's what this whole film is. But it doesn't feel that way. You feel like you are there watching this. And at times, you pull for both characters. You find yourself looking between black and white, between Samuel L. Jackson and Tommy Lee Jones, and going, that's a really good point. I can see that. I can see why you would think that way. And it makes you think. And I think, I believe, that that's why it's such an enticing film for me. It's one that I really enjoy watching. And it's only 90 minutes long which may seem like a lot, but these are two extremely talented actors that are placed in the frame, and they do an excellent job of making you feel like they're really presenting their own worldview, as, as two good actors you would expect should be able to do so. And so what we learn is that Black's faith, the faith that he espouses, the sense of meaning and value to life that one should continue to endeavor on, is it stems from time that he spent in jail for murder. So we, we learn as the film goes on that Black is not perfect. Black is not just some Bible-thumping, um, the world is full of roses kind of person. He's got some dark history. And White, who is a professor, and it approaches the entire conversation from a very intellectual framework, is in another way at odds with Black. So we have the literal at odds, Black and White, we have worldviews framed by religious experience that stemmed from time spent in jail for murder, a professorial perspective, an intellectual perspective on the world, and they joust. And the exchange that delivers today's quote comes after White takes one of, as I said, many pot shots at Black, saying that he'd have to think about Black's theory that you don't have to believe anything or read anything in the Bible for it to be good and right. So again, this is an interesting exchange where White challenges Black and says, do you really believe everything that's in that book? You know, Black's holding the book or the book's nearby, and he's talking about the Bible, and, and Black says, no, I, I don't. And he said, I don't think you have to believe everything that's in this book or even read the book for it to be good and right. And White says in return, well, I have to think about that. And Black, in a very nonchalant way, says, okay, go ahead. And White says, now? And, he's, and Black says, yes, 
right now. I'll wait. And White says in return, um, you know, that he that he will he will have to think about it and that it's not it's not simple. And that prompts Samuel L. Jackson's character, Black, to say the quote. And I'm going to play it again here for you so that you can hear it one more time and listen to the tone and imagine that somebody had just said something that was maybe let's say not nice um, in response to an opinion that you had. And your response may or may not be this. It was it was Black's response in this moment. And here's what he says. Yeah, I mean, I could take that statement one or two ways, but I won't take it the good way because that's my nature. That way I get to live in my world, not yours. And isn't that great? I mean, the the value of this quote is is very self-evident, right? This is a this is a choice, right? You see Black, he's received a negative response to an opinion or an idea or an action in life, and much like us, he has a choice. Right? He has a choice to take this one of two ways. And maybe there's more, maybe there's three or four ways that it can be taken, but he boils it down to one or two ways. And we'll keep it there for the purpose of examining this quote. Black says, I can take that one of two ways. And I'm going to choose to take it in the good way because that's my nature. And we have the same choice every day in, in every interaction that we have. We are all confronted regularly with the option between two choices. Don't believe me? Think about this. You're driving your car. You're going from point A to point B. If you live in a city or get on a highway, at some point, someone is going to cut you off in traffic. And of course, this is the cliche interaction. But what's your response? My response is not always good, dear listener. I will tell you that I have, at times, expressed some frustration on the road, much to the chagrin and or delight of passengers in the car at people who do exactly this, right? Everybody knows that this group drives this way, or this person does that, or this person is more likely to do that. We all have those little cliches that we apply. In the area that I live, where a number of states come together, depending on which one of those states you live in, you think the others are all terrible drivers, and vice versa. So when you get cut off in traffic, what is your response? Freeze that moment. Imagine you've just been cut off. That car's bumper has just passed in front of yours, far too close for comfort. What is your response in that moment? Now, it's likely at least a little bit of frustration. Maybe it's maybe it's anger. Maybe you lash out. Maybe you honk the horn. Maybe you speed up. Maybe you flash your lights. Maybe you say something rather untoward in the direction of that person, knowing that they can't hear you and it's not going to change anything. But how do you take it? How do you respond? Now, if Black were sitting in the car with you, he might say, hey, we can take that one of two ways. If you could freeze that moment in time, Samuel L. Jackson could be sitting next to you in the car. He could say, hang on just a second. We can take this one of two ways. When we turn the world back on here in just a moment, you can choose to take this one of two ways. You can choose to take it the good way or the bad way. Whichever you choose, you take it the good way, you get to live in your world, not theirs. You take it the bad way, and that person has become the controller of your world. You have chosen now to live in their world. You've let their actions, their words, the things they've said and done, or failed to say or failed to do, have taken over your life. Picture another scenario. A family member. Maybe it's at a holiday gathering. Maybe it's on a Skype call. Maybe it's over the phone. Says something unintentionally or deliberately inflammatory. You have a choice. Do you let that derail you? 
Do you let it consume you? Do you let it take from you what you might otherwise have? Again, if Black were there, pause time, Samuel L. Jackson drops in for a quick quick chat, and he says, you have two choices. Take it the good way or the bad way. Live in your world or live in theirs. What if your spouse forgets a significant day? God forbid it's your birthday or your anniversary or something like that. But it could just be a day of significance to you. It could be the day that your pet turtle died, that they have forgotten. And it's the 11th anniversary of the death of Petey the Turtle, and they've they've forgotten it. Now, do you stem or do you steam and stew and go to bed angry and and think on it all night and fail to fall asleep and wake up tired, further exacerbating your anger, and then lash out? Think about how much time you've lost. Choosing to live in a world that may or may not even have deliberately been placed before you. It's it's unlikely that your spouse deliberately forgot something. We usually don't deliberately forget things. And yet you let it consume that whole day, that entire evening, into your sleep hours, and then the next day you picked it up and you ran with it some more. All for something that wasn't even necessarily intentional. And even if it is intentional, clearly in this exchange between Black and White in the Sunset Limited, it's intentional. Samuel L. Jackson's character is taking shots from Tommy Lee Jones's character intentionally. Tommy Lee Jones is trying to dismiss deliberately the points that Samuel L. Jackson's character makes in order to justify his actions, behaviors, thoughts, and plans. And even when it was deliberate and intentional, Samuel L. Jackson's character, Black, takes it his way so that he can live in his world and not White's. So what do we do? Do we let those slights, real or imagined, consume us? Do, they, do we let them rob us of sleep, steal seconds, or minutes, or hours, or worse, from us, and consume our every thought? That's the takeaway today for me, and I hope that's the takeaway for you. You have this choice. We have this choice. Every time we interact with someone, be it face-to-face, over the phone, at a distance, ask yourself, whose world are you living in? Theirs or yours? It's your choice. Until next time, I'm Matthew Monroe. This is Quotations, and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app or visit me at quotationspod.com to download and listen. Please also take a moment to recommend the podcast to a friend. That's a huge help. You can tweet at me at quotationspod. Send me an email to quotationspod at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at quotationspod. Or join the conversation on Facebook at quotationspod. I look forward to hearing from you. Welcome your feedback. And thanks, as always, for listening.